Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Get set. Go! (laughs) Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. We might need to circle back and start over with who are you? Who am I? Why are we podcasting? How do we know each other? (laughs) What brings us about? What really brings us about is May. We've cleared a lot of hurdles in May. And we're on to... We've cleared so many hurdles in May that we can't even remember and what And it might are. be just like the track events I've attended where people clear hurdles, but not always all the way. <laughs> like, their ankles are clunking on the hurdles as oh they go gosh, by. Oh my gosh, I know. You know, stuff is painful. Life is real <laughs> out there. But but stuff is also in the rearview mirror, which is really exciting because yeah. some things are worse on the horizon than they For are me. behind you more stuff now is in the rearview mirror of May than still is upcoming. I still have to finish out teaching finals week is next week. There's all sorts of stuff going on with that, but We're NSA is done meet. and NSA being done was well, a miracle really that I made it through that. I so. think I'm currently overdue on only about 20,000 words of writing assignments. <laughs> so I do not feel like I have cleared every hurdle, but I we cleared a no. number of yeah, them. Yeah, a bunch are gone. That's and that's good. that's enough to to be pleased. I about. think the thing that really took this to new places this year was me getting sick. And but there's always something that there takes is, it to new places. There is, but know? I'm just saying I lost my voice so thoroughly that even if we had had all the time in the world, we couldn't have podcasted because I was having a sort of a whisper it's croak. You can still kind of hear that my voice is a yeah. little squicky, but it's yeah. not quite right. It's not the horrible situation that it was for like two straight weeks, and it was the two weeks of doom that mm-hmm. I was I was completely inaudible, really. Yeah. <laughs> so that but, was hilarious. But we're back and we're still, you should all know, we're still trying to be uh, productive, trying to be doing our jobs. It's a lot of work. Trying. I think, was it you? I maybe told yesterday, I was like, I feel like I should be really coming down off the mountaintops of last week, but I think I might be dead at the top. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm coming down or not. I'm you know, kind of looking about myself in a disoriented way, wondering what's next. Yeah, but it's it's funny. And I think that this year more than most, I always try to be kind of aware that in a few minutes I'm going to have seven kids at home all day mm-hmm. and that that mm-hmm. is a transition that you need to be ready for. Mm-hmm. Like, prepare thyself for yeah. the new moods that will be upon yeah. us. And I realize I think I'm for sure not going to be prepared this year. But that's okay. We're not prepared for much. No, I I really am still... I, I think I need to... My house is doing better than it was a few days ago. But there was a real level of like you could have just done a kind of archaeological work in my dining room. Mm. To be like, oh, here's the sedimentary layer from Thursday... But beneath it, we have 
the sedimentary <laughs> layer of the Wednesday madness. And oh, over yonder we have the soup pot from Tuesday, still not washed, sitting on the floor uh, in the dining room. And then we have like Hero's flower arrangements, like multiples last week. So there, there's a blitz. There was a bunch of my flower arrangements that I had to do because she was out of town. So I snipped stems all over the universe. Then there was the table runners I had to make for the President's Center. So the sewing machine is kind of like sitting amidst the rubble of stems. It's hard to get out of that. Soup pot once over you're to in the that, left. It's hard to get out. Yeah. It's the, the floor in my house does not bear looking at. I really have to have a scrub. And my mop NATO bit the dust. <laughs> Just at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> its name seems really appropriate in that context. The Mobnado could not hack it anymore. No. Did not have well, the power. We were having some miscommunications between myself and Knox because he was like, what is this? this ridiculous contrivance here and hero is holding forth about like it's the world's worst mop don't even look at it it's so terrible i'm like it's a beautiful thing i love that you know you can do this with the mop and i'm sending Knox hither and thither and trying to get him to do something with the mop and i'm shouting at him through the window like no stand on both sides of it and then torque the handle so that you can change the mop head he's like, it's not working, Mom. Like, it's not. Like, I'm standing on it. And I'm like, come on, torque the handle. I'm gesturing to him through the window. Yank the handle. And then he's like, oh, here we go. I got it. It's like, awesome. So then a bit later, I'm like, now just stick the different mop head on it. He's like, this doesn't attach at all. (laughs) And I realized, no, he just cranked the the whole handle right off the base because... I was meaning stand on the threads of the mop, but he was standing on the head of the mop and then just <laughs> wrenched I the like the, whatever off. situation this is that leads you to be peering through your window. Telling oh, no. Knox- no, no, no. It's funnier because he's in the back of the pickup because I was like, just throw that mop head away. Just take the thing off and throw it away. And so he's, I'm shouting at him through the dining room. I'm like, just leave it in the back of the truck. Then come in for a new one. Anyway. We have a long and ongoing uh, relationship with the local garbage situation. <laughs> and um, we, what we do, and nobody thinks it's perfect, so no need to message me now and tell me what's wrong about our garbage situation. It is on our docket of the many things that we need to figure out. Okay, But... Because we cannot come to terms with the county about what makes sense for us. We have to, you're like required to pay for the garbage can from the county that they just deliver to you. And they charge you every month for picking it up whether or not you've been putting it out for them. So we have that garbage can that we can't return. But Uh it is woefully insufficient for our garbage. But because we're out in the country what we do is just put our garbage in the back of the pickup and luke takes the garbage to the dump on yeah. saturdays right and we bypass wheeling yeah. a two small garbage can down <laughs> the huge driveway to then leave it in the ditch down there to fall over and be ransacked by wild animals it's been an ongoing situation and whenever you call them to talk to them about it you can basically hear them. They do not help you. They nothing 
that the county sanitation people have to say ever meets any of my needs. <laughs> so when you call to talk with them, you can basically hear them writing it in your file that they have educated the person. Oh. They launch into their pamphleteering of how <laughs> things are going to go for you and how you convenient. And it's going to be wildly convenient for you when they do yeah. this. Well, all of their ideas. And I'm like, but it's not convenient. And I was like, well, we can't. They're like, just leave the garbage down at the bottom of your hill and you just throw the bag in your car. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> not gonna do that. That's not what I want. And then they, and I'm like, besides it, and the animals will get into it, and they're like, no, just put cinder blocks on top of your garbage can at the bottom of the hill. Their suggestions do not add oh up to word. a convenient lifestyle, is what no. I'm telling you. No. But all this is to say that we've now officially reached the end of our tether with using the truck because the okay. local mountain ravens. Oh no. Have taken to it as a thing. And yesterday <laughs> there were four I mean they are huge yeah, dudes. Ravens These are not huge small. Huge ravens. Four of them fighting each other over it. <laughs> and they rip open the garbage bags and start porting the garbage all around <laughs> in little clawfuls while they fight each other. And I was like, this this is a picture of something, and I'm not sure exactly what, but it's something, and it parallels my life that right now the ravens are upon us, and they are out here making a mess. Even when we tried to clean one up, they are making one. And ravens are super touchy because they're already like a protected class of bird life. So you could, you know... Maybe do something mm -hmm. to prevent a squirrel from getting into your garbage. Yeah. But with a raven, not as much. And if you ever did anything that made them unhappy with you, we would just be haunted by ravens yeah, no. for life. You so want to pacify ravens, You I just think. want to keep the ravens not feeling, well, not feeling you, grudgy. Since we're on our sort of like extremely interesting garbage woes. Always we're talking um, about our garbage on the podcast. <laughs> the thing is, that we struggle with is also the much too small vessels provided mm -hmm. by the city. Mm -hmm. So it's out in our alley. It's fine. Judah is a saint, trucks the garbage out there way too regularly, but it's often like, it doesn't fit the, you know, it's piled up in the garbage uh -huh. anyway. Um, the problem is across the alley, there's a bed and breakfast, but it's more like a short let kind of a, VRB, mm -hmm. you know, like people will stay there for a while. And like this last weekend, you know, there's lots of, I mean, it's graduation, graduation and yeah. there's people having parties and they've invited everybody over. Well, it's a common misconception amongst people who stay in the bed and breakfast that that's the garbage they should put all their garbage into. <laughs> so, and so you'll go out there to put your own garbage in the much too small garbage and it's full of bottles. And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they're doing, you know, probably good work trying to pick up after themselves and like, here, like, there's the no, garbage. Not, we'll go put it garbage. in your garbage. I know. Yeah, I know. I feel like wrong. we need some complicated I need to get. I need to alley. get like really organized with my garbage, but it's hard to want to. It is Because hard. what I want from my garbage is to not see it. I think you need a little dumpster at the bottom of your hill. Yeah, I, this is one of the things I've talked to the city about, okay, the, yeah. or the county. 
when they educate me about how much more convenient a little garbage is. I'm like, uh-huh. you know what's interesting? I don't think it's convenient. And then they're like, no, it's great. We could bring you another little garbage. I'm like, I don't want another little garbage. Part where we live, because we live in a windy spot anyways, there's a lot of, if we have the garbage outside of our house, it blows over. I mean, everything about it, it's too many, it's too many things. It's all right. Someday I'll get the victory over the garbage situation. And then won't we be proud we when will. that time comes? We will. We'll all celebrate with you. Okay, I have a, somebody sent us a question that I don't remember what it was, but I remember thinking, well, that was a good question. So, oh, okay. So I saved Promising it. beginnings. Okay. I'm saying, I, I said that's a good question. I'll bring it up. But then okay. I, All right. I, okay, it was. I got mud um, all over myself. I wonder how I did that. What? Rachel, like, how did I get such huge? That's, you know that that's, that's, huge that's just classic. Mud. It's just classic. Why? It's when you get out of your car, you let that, you. It's like all over the place. All right, so here we go. Guys, Becca has some mud on her. That's gross. Oh, I know why it is. It's because they were, they were, it's not oil, it's the (gasps) sugar stuff Uh, on the road, and it it got on your outside of your, kind of sticky. Yeah, it's because you you just leaned up against the outside of your car. Perfect. Uh, Okay. There you go. This person says, I thought it would be interesting to hear some practical tips or discussions about what are practical ways to teach children to love the standard. I hear this phrase and I agree with it. I am behind it and that's what I'm shooting for. Would really love to hear how you apply this in real life. How do you get there? So how do you actually teach your kids to love the standard? Mm. I have, I mean, why don't we try answering this starting with when they're really little? Like well, starting when they're little. Let's start with talking about little kids that you want to love. Sure. To I, I think though too, one important thing is that this is a long game where you're trying to have them ultimately love the standard as adults and then back from there loving it as teens. And then, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that in every single moment of parenting, it's going to be this situation also- of all of us talking about how much we love the standard because <laughs> you're going to be giving them swats. And at that particular moment, they're not going to be loving what's happening. So, <laughs> but that's all in the service of ultimately they will love it, but you can't be thinking that every parenting moment has to feel like, and then I just realized how much my child loves the standard. Yeah, no, no. Um, because it that's a it's a long term. I think goal. of this just as what we always end up talking about, which is that there has to be real fellowship. And yep. when there's real fellowship in your home, they recognize earliest not the standard because that's the way they're living. They recognize the breaks in the standard when they are in sin or in trouble for something. I think See? the raven the raven has come to is us. Is he quoting at us? He's, he is. I want to quote at him nevermore. <laughs> <laughs> we're parked right by the garbage yeah, truck. we are. But there's no garbage in it right but now. But he's circling. So. He's coming through. He's coming. He's just, they're kind of terrifying. They're yeah, so big. They are, and they're huge. too smart. So, you yeah. know, of course, them being, uh, it's all. Yeah, but the thing is with the fellowship is that I think that if you have a home that is fun and um, 
people enjoy being around each other and it's pleasant and it's dominated by joy. sweetness and yeah. joy and pleasure right then um the standard is the thing that gives it the sweetness you know yes. it's like well your that's law what i mean is, is that, like honey it right. really is and so the thing is is you can't um, you can't really separate those two. And I think that if you do a good job of keeping those things together, your kids will see that those, the, the fellowship is fruit that grows on one kind of tree. Right. And, and they the feel the break sweet, in it. They yeah. feel the break in it first because I, because this is the thing with, if you're raising children in the nurture of the Lord, that it's, it's the surprise of a break in fellowship. They are, should be very well nurtured and loved and feeling safe and joyful in their life. And when they're old enough to realize that sin is actually destroying that, like that I am not having a good time. I'm not having, you know, this is not a joy. That's much easier. I, you said the law is, what did you say? Did you quote sweeter than sweeter also than honey Mm -hmm. and the honeycomb? Um, Anyways, that, that is a thing. I think it was an old Jewish thing that they would do that with little kids, like with the Bible open, like putting your hands on the Bible, like God's word, and then touch their finger in honey and have them look at is, is sweet. Like that this is a, we never did uh, that particular thing with our children. That is what a mother's job is, is to make it sweet. And so if your kid's experience of God's law is mom's cranky. She's giving everybody that look again. She's snapping at everybody that it's, you know, you must honor your father and mother. And I told you to make your bed. Then you are not in fact giving them. Um, exactly. And you're not, or, or if your whole, okay, here's a good example. When our kids were really little, um, when our kids were really little here in church with us, it is very, you're like, we want them to be in church. And of course the long game is that we want them to be paying attention and we want them to be edified and we want them Mm -hmm. to be respectful and handling everything Mm -hmm. nicely in church. But when they're a bunch of little hot and tot toddlers, that is not, that is not the thing that is happening naturally. Right. It was not like they just came to us as children who are understanding what to do in worship. That right. is not how it happened. So the reason I bring this up is because it has to be your own eye on the long-term plan of why we want them there, what it means that we want them there, that carries you through the specific choices you make in teaching them how to get there. Because if it was, if, if the parent loses sight, which is the easiest thing in the world to do as the parent, Mm -hmm. if you lose track of what actually matters in this circumstance, then what ends up happening is you are like whispering threats at your kids and being terrible in the yeah, church service. Shooting a because, stink guy down the road. Because your eye is on the right now. Like right now, yeah. I wanted them to have already arrived at a standard that they don't understand, that they don't love, that they don't have any, you know, and I'm, and mm-hmm. I'm being weirdly um, making this all about me and how it makes me look and what mm-hmm. it 
So I think it was my husband back when our kids were all really little who was like, here's the thing. Our job is to stay in fellowship with our kids all through church. That's it. And that was when we were like, that was our part of the liturgy was traversing in and out of the service with children. Mm -hmm. And I can remember running into Luke outside in our, the way it works, we worship in a gym right now. So down in the school, they had a couple rooms for like nursing moms and a room for uh, dads or, you know, discipline room, whatever, where the sermon is piped so you can hear it down there but I can remember running into Luke in the hall downstairs where he had two toddlers who clearly had to leave the service and I had two babies that had to leave the service and so the Jankovic family was attending worship to to meet in the building down below worship (laughs) and to not really get a thing out of the sermon and to have no idea really what was going on to not be able to hold the Psalter or look at the words at any time in the service. And, but did it matter that we were doing that? And it absolutely mattered. It mattered that every Lord's day we got up and we were like, and I remember Luke saying our part of the liturgy is that we are bringing children to worship and we're going to do it every week, whether or not we achieve sitting (laughs) in a row. (laughs) So I think, um, on the question of how do you teach your kids to live the the standard, I do think, side note, the whole sort of premise of classical education, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, but not maybe everybody, but our kids are all in a classical school, and I do think that this actually is a good sort of basic skeleton, is it's basically divided up into grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And grammar is elementary school. Logic is middle school and rhetoric is high school. And basically the schools try to tailor the material and the way they teach the material to the phase that the children are actually in. So this was sort of pioneered by Dorothy Sayers and then actually attempted by our father starting Logos School here in Moscow. But, um, it's a twist on an, a much older system, but the grammar phase is where you teach little kids love to memorize. Mm-hmm. They love to learn songs and do little jump rope things. And you know, like you just teach them a ton of facts because that's when their brains are sticky. They want to learn mm-hmm. facts. They want to memorize facts. So the schools teach them tons of chants and tons of songs and tons of just facts. They stuff yeah. them full of facts. And then middle school, when they are starting to get more argumentative and want to think for themselves and they kind of want to push back and they want to do all that. When the kids are at that age, that's when they, if they're going to be argumentative anyways, let's teach them how to do it well. So they teach Mm -hmm. logic in that sort of phase of life. And then rhetoric is when, you know, they're in high school, they're starting to care more about how they present themselves. They become slightly more, I think inhibited really. And you know, in terms of like, they don't want to show their cards quite as much as your average seventh grader. Unless they're really, unless they they feel proud of it. Unless they feel like it reflects well on them. But even there, I think there's, I think there's a heavy amount of caring what, how they present like caring how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people feel pretty confident in how they're presenting themselves. And other people feel really insecure about how they're presenting themselves. But that is sort of where they are developmentally. And they start to care more about mm-hmm. beauty and art and poetry and those sorts of things, music. 
And so that's where they try to teach, mm-hmm. like, if you're caring more about that, then let's learn rhetoric. Let's learn how to present yourself and how to do it well and how to do it winsomely. And I think the same sort of thing should be true in parenting as you're teaching your kids to love the standard. Because when they're little is not the time. They're not in rhetoric yet. This is yeah. not yet the time. This is when they should learn the rules and you don't really have to explain the rules terribly much. They just need to have them in their bones. You know, mm-hmm. like, this is what we do and this is what we don't do. And mm-hmm. you're not allowed to throw tantrums. And no, you may not do that. So, and you can't get mad at your sister. And you have to put it right. And it's very, very, like, straightforward stuff. You don't lose your temper. Yeah, or when do. my when my kids were all pretty little, we would go on a walk in the in the good weather. We would go on a walk every day. And I had a double stroller, and then the older girls had to hold on to... It was like a... I had things on the stroller that was essentially like a leash that they... But it was a little fabric thing that they had to hang on to, and we called mm-hmm. it their station. So they were not clicked mm-hmm. onto it, They had, but they had to hold on to it. But every single day when we would head out, I would say, what's the big, 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 big rule? <laughs> they would say, do not let go of your stations. Like, was like that's yeah. our rule. And we re- but we repeated that all the time. But the, but something that I think is helpful, I think I wrote about this actually in Loving Little Years, but whatever. What was helpful about that is that that was the rule, but it was very simple. Like, you're going to stay here and you're going to hold on to your station. But inside that obedience, like when they did that, what were we doing? We were going on an adventure. We were talking about other things. We were looking at, um, we were always, I just remember us always identifying all the forsythia bushes and, the, you know, like talking about all the things or going to the park to play that there was a ton of freedom and joy that was closely connected to their obedience in a very simple, clear way. But I just mean, you don't, if your four-year-old says, but why do I have to, whatever, you you know, sometimes you can answer the question, but honestly, you say, no, you say, yes, ma'am. That's what you do. Yeah. You say, yes, ma'am. Well, like what I was trying to say is it was easy for them to love the standard of obey mom, no matter what, hold on to your station, because that standard was being held in a place where it was a ton of sweet fellowship. That's the thing. You want the whole thing to be pleasant and fun and wonderful. Right. But I'm just saying you don't, uh, there's a lot of people who really want their three and four year olds to just have scope to be creative. And I just don't don't want to give them any boundaries because I want them to to be creative and free spirits. It's like, no, three-year-olds need boundaries. There's so much security. They'd have such a better life. So much much more fun. But they they love love the clarity clarity of a rule. And they'll go push on it to see if you mean it. But if you mean it, there's a lot of security for them in that. And they love to, to announce it. You know, this is the rule. Here's what it is. You know, like there's just security for kids in that. And right. I do think that if you want creative kids later, you have to give them the tools early because it's kind of like it, it, if you don't equip them with rigid standards a early lot, on. There's a lot of super trash out there right now that's kind of like my daughter is a fiery little devil who... <laughs> will stand up to injustice anywhere and you're like no that (laughs) is not what you're making like you are writing the world's most optimistic narrative of what might happen with this little hellion that you're raising yeah but what i was gonna say is though you you're talking about one side where people make it all there's no boundary to love when you're little it's just wild like where it's Mm -hmm. basically like 
oh, life, like the idea that fellowship and sweet fellowship equals a nonstop pillow fight or eating carameled apples all the time and having no, and wearing your pajamas all day or something like that's, that's dark. That is not fun. But on the other hand, something that I have seen, which this is probably a like personality culture. You know, I have no idea which is more dominant in anymore. I don't know. I don't even know which is more likely to be happening in people who might be listening to this. But this is the idea that children should be obedient and that the standard becomes through lack of thought. I think usually the standard that the mother wants to enforce is the standard of not interrupting me or not messing my stuff up. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, things like sort of, uh, the, what you need to think through, what is a God honoring thing for this child to be doing? Like, what is the standard even for? Because you can totally see how you, I I remember it when my twins were borderline, well, when they were really done napping and I still dreamed a dream that they would still be napping. You know, like I just had this, like, it is easy to think the standard is quiet in our house or the standard is me not having I just um, think that's that's just totally a matter of like different families personalities and circumstances I'm talking about sin issues where it's kind of like right but if that turns into a that turns into a discipline thing because they think they're enforcing the standard when what it really is is an is a not really the but standard. See, I, it's just a random. You're talking about house rules, which is you sure make your house rules, whatever you want your house rules to be. I'm talking about, you're not allowed to bite. You're not allowed to tell lies. You're not allowed to stomp your foot. You're not allowed to slap your mother. You're not al- like, no, those are not yeah. things that we do. And when you sin in that way, it is swift and painful right. and fellowship is immediately restored. And the kids need the security of knowing that you must obey your mother yeah. when she says to and do something. And the security of right knowing away. that you're not actually you're not actually free to go live like a child who doesn't know any law. Like right. you're not actually free for that. But you the will... thing is, like, there's there's a self-absorbed mothering that wants everybody to be quiet and color inside the lines because that's what makes her happy and she doesn't like things to be ruffled up. But there's also a self-absorbed mothering that doesn't want to have to get off the couch to go discipline the kid who's in a rage over across the way. So both are ways of being selfish. Or sometimes I think mothers genuinely don't know what to do about it if they did get there. They don't know. And I would just say, I just want to encourage you as a mother. This is why it's really important to just accept responsibility for the situation because it makes you far more desperate to ask the Lord for guidance. Sure. Because if you're like this three-year-old who is being just thoroughly unpleasant is my responsibility. And I don't know how to do this. I don't know what the right thing to do is when that is happening to you. You're, if you take responsibility for it, you're actually, you're, you're like pleading with the Lord to give you a insight, you know, like, please mm-hmm. help me to, but I'm still thinking in terms of like how you, at the end of the shoot, you want your kids to love the standard in that I'm just thinking when they're little, teach them what the standard is, which is we obey God and you obey your mother. Mm-hmm. And in that context, life should be sweet 
and happy and fun. It should not be like we all sit around having well, a, that's what I was like a to say. bear arugula salad all the time. And that's what right. obedience is like. But when that's what I meant when I was saying mothers who start to value. Because what you said is you obey your mother. That is a biblical principle. Like if your mother tells you to do mm-hmm. something, you better obey it. That's something mothers should be enforcing. At the same time, mothers ought to evaluate. Because I have heard many times... The little math that a mother is doing about, I'm supposed to teach my children to obey me and honor me. But then the things that they are ask, the things that they essentially put as obedient, as the standard of what would be obedience to them. Well, that's where is I'm irrational and, and weirdly selfish. Yeah. And so don't do that. So don't but do I'm, that. I'm just saying that like, that's, that's the piece of like, it should taste like honey. It shouldn't yeah. taste so like arugula. A thing that we but did all way, the time obedience must be absolutely insisted upon. Yes. And so, yes, obedience to the right things. But one of the things that I would always do if you were having a trouble with a kid who is often being disobedient, mm-hmm. you're uh, like, I'm still talking about little kids here, but yeah. if you're having a struggle there, you give them the talk. Like you are going to do quick obeying and we are going mm-hmm. to do like, you give them the pep talk. And then after you give them the whole pep talk about how spectacular you expect their obedience to be and how quick it should be and what you're looking forward to in them. After you get that part done, then you need to uh, give them a real, like a, we're, there's a backhoe doing stuff right outside the car. Really we're like full of things to watch right now. The backhoe, the ravens. Um the dirt on Becca's leg. There's so much There's to distract us. a lot of interest. So, anyways, the but the one of the things that I would always do is give them the zero tolerance. The like, there will be like, this is your warning. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to be amazing and obeying. Then, give them a lot of jobs that are a total delight to them to do. When like where you say, okay, you know, quick obeying, get me the milk out of the fridge, especially when they think it's above their pay grade. I recommend this. Mm -hmm. This is a great way of showing them respect and joy and the freedom that comes from obedience. So you give them like you do this and when they do it, you praise them. You're like, way to go. You were such a big help. Thank you so much. Now I want you to do, you know, and well, you give them another thing. And you you reinforce the idea that a quick obedience is sweet fellowship. Like, quick obedience is not just the absence of rebuke. Like, right. like it's not like when you obey, mom just ignores it and things. But it's also, it's also important to note that it is it is important for kids to obey mom even when it isn't a pleasant task because of course. yes you can do all the But I'm fun. talking about what do you do to develop those muscles. Yeah, right. When I mentioned this about their stations, mm-hmm. that was a thing that was always fun and it was part of a little thing that we did, but what was really interesting to me is that when the twins could walk when then they had been riding in the stroller all the time, when they could walk, the first time that I let them walk and hold the stations, mm-hmm. neither of them, they were like 14 months or something, yeah. neither of them let go of it the entire time. Yeah. And they were so very proud of themselves. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't about not, it was like they knew what the rule was. They wanted to be the big kids doing the thing. Yeah. They were so stoked. Well, but then, and this is the thing that I, this 
does matter, I think. We had a horrible, horrible, Blair was a baby, and we were flying to Chicago, and we were in the Denver airport, and was five. I mean, Blair was a newborn, maybe six weeks old or something, and the four others. And we had a layover, and we were going to go get food, but somehow we got on that we got on the train that took us outside of security. So it was during our layover that we accidentally ejected ourselves from the security of the airport and Mm -hmm. had to go through the security line again. So we were well into a day of travel with five little kids and we had to get in the line, which was enormous. Like it was the hugest line of security ever. And we were like, we're probably going to miss our, flight. I mean, like, it, we were sure we were going to miss our flight. It ended up being delayed, so we made it to our flight. But it was one of those serpentine lines that just goes on for days and days, and we had all of the kids. But the girls were holding on to their stations, and the twins were holding on to their stations. So we had four, we had the baby in the stroller and four kids holding on to their little things on the stroller. And that was an example of a moment where no fun. There was no fun to be had in the airport security line, but they were, they knew enough about obedience that we weren't having to teach it to them there. And it didn't matter that it wasn't fun. Like it didn't matter. It wasn't like they were like, why am I doing this? If I'm not doing something fun, they knew how to obey because that muscle had been strengthened in times that were more delightful. Like I remember times when our kids were little and, and there would just be, they'd fall into the same little sin pit every time. Cause you, it was, I remember going to Sabbath dinner, Papa and Nana's house and then be like, all right guys, time to go. And then they'd all lose it because they didn't want to go, you know? Yeah. And so then, then it'd be like, then now we're in a big situation of having to do SWATs and then come out and say sorry and then this and that. And so then we just learned that it was like, okay, that's a point of temptation, which means we're going to talk about it before we go. When we say it's time to go, what are you going to say? And then yeah. five minutes beforehand, we would have a review session. Mm-hmm. Like, so Knox, in five minutes, we're going to say it's yeah. time to go. What and are you going to say? say? And so it's like, I I've just had think, so many of these conversations in my life. Yeah. But it's sort of like, these are the things that when they are little, this is what I mean by connecting it to the grammar stage. It's kind of like, just review the basics until they are instinctive and they just know them. You know, like yeah. you say, yes, ma'am, you have to be cheerful. You may not scream. You may not push back. You may not give fat faces and roll your eyes. Mm-hmm. You may not do those things. And and you get through <clears throat> like those kinds of basic things. And then I think when your kids hit old enough that now they want to know more background for these things you can actually give it to them because you're not still fighting over yeah you're not no you you will do what i said they have the instincts and they start to understand the reason for those things that you taught and then you can you can bring them into the discussion and you can and and i think right like we start with when they're little we start um like one of the things i think especially little boys are well maybe little girls are too but i noticed it as more of a concern with our boys so who knows just that when they are acknowledging they did something wrong, they would use a fussy voice. Mm. 
Like where they would be like, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, you know. Okay. Uh, so we would, it was one of the things we were always saying. No, you stand up like a man and you talk like a man. Like, mm-hmm. and you say, I'm sorry I disobeyed you. Like, mm-hmm. forgive me for, like, you talk in your regular voice and you take responsibility in your man voice. Like, we're not going to do any of this whiffling about with mm-hmm. the, uh, I didn't mean to. And I <laughs> sort of accidentally might have bitten her, but I didn't. <laughs> I never intended to. I was only pretending I was going to bite her. You know, whatever whatever weird thing it is. We're always saying, no, just own it, say it. Well, that kind of thing is, I think that they can develop respect for something when they're young that they never really question again. Like in the sense that uh-huh. they understand from the time that they're young that the standard is But see, I think this. what I'm getting at is if you have a 13-year-old... And you're still in a huge tussle over who's the boss or who has to obey whom in the situation. You can't ever get to the point of teaching them to love the standard because you're still fighting over the standard. You know what I mean? Like, sure. And I think that when your kids, when they're little, when they have to obey and that is just assumed and yes, you have to make it delightful and you have to make it fun and it has to be over the right things and all of that. Mm-hmm. But then when, when you have that established and then they start to get a little bit older and you can start talking to them as if they're on your team and you can start explaining your reasons yeah. for it and answering their questions and not in a threatened, like, because I said so sort of a thing, right? but just like, well, here's why we do things the way we do them. That's like treating them like they're on your team and, if, yeah. and you're explaining the plays to them and everything. Yeah. When, and then as they sort of get into like later into the sort of teen years, that's when it's kind of like now you're going to take your hands off and you're going to let them start making the decisions right. and you're going to be giving them feedback on how they're doing and everything. And, and that's where the, again, like the standard is already in there and now you're teaching them how to do it well. Right. And I just feel like those are, so the like hands we did, coming off is what it should be instead of what everybody seems to do, which is clamping down harder and harder and harder as the kids get older, right. which just makes everybody resentful. So one of the things we would always say with our kids is like the review of the younger kids would always be like, but who is the boss? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you're the boss, I'd say. But who's not the boss? <laughs> I'd be like... I'm not the boss. And I'm like, yeah. right. And that would be over very little things. Like if they, if yeah. they randomly were like, no, I don't want this for lunch. I'm not going to eat that. Yeah. You'd be like, wait a minute. Who's the boss? Yeah. I'm the boss. Who's not the boss? You're not the boss. Yeah. So who's eating the sandwich? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm eating the sandwich. You're like, yes, you're and, eating the sandwich. Or we would do things like, so what did mom tell you to do? And what does God say? that you have to do when your mom tells you what to do. You know, I mean, it's just... Let's go through the basics. (laughs) But that's not a thing that we are still doing when they are older. That's that's from their... That's when they're little that you're going over. That's what I mean. And that's why I feel like it matters in the little years that you are getting it into their bones. I'm sure lots of our listeners are... You're dealing where you... Like, one of the great things is that God picks us all up where we are, not where we should have been. Right. When you're dealing with later... Like jumping in, like okay, so you missed your chance early on, and now sure. you're here. It's gonna be different. Like yeah. you're gonna have different obstacles, like different yeah. things that you're gonna have to, um, 
you know, trust God to work out and to just trust him for his purposes and to not obsess over the opportunities that you missed, but instead to begin with being faithful today. And I don't think you can, like, let's say that you just didn't. You can't do it later. No, I was going to say, if if you're picking up right now with a 15-year-old boy that you didn't ever really discipline when he was little, don't try to duplicate now what you should have done 12 years ago. No, you're going to have to win that person in a different way. It's going to have to be adapted. So I, I do think this is assuming that you just have one long stretch of... I want to say just for mothers in general, I think that, that homemaking is hugely underrated as the power tool that it is, yeah. the persuasive, Agreed. the persuasive winsome thing that it is because the, everybody understands what it means to like go into a hotel room. That's way better than you thought you were going to get where mm-hmm. it's relaxing and it's thoughtful and someone did something or to be served a beautiful meal or to have the thing that just really, really in some way ministers to you. That's a very physical comfort, right? Do not like if you're dealing with older children, whether or not I'm talking about it here as a winsome apologetics move with older children. Do not undervalue your actual duties in the home as a, as a faithful weapon to be, to be implemented by weapon. I don't mean against your children. I mean, against, against, yes, but I'm saying do not be weird. Like we never taught him to take responsibility. So it's bad if I fold his laundry now, like think of ways, like be willing to be used in ways that are not maybe glamorous is the word that I'm looking for, but like good food is a ministry to boys, to teen boys, especially it's ministry to everyone, but it's a real ministry. But what I mean is like you can take the same thing and you can use it as a ministry or you could use it as a weapon on your kids, which is, you know, I made you this dinner and you're yeah, not yeah, even yeah. thankful. I don't mean and that at all. You don't I'm talking about, plate. and I care that we have a beautiful table yeah. and you oh. don't even, and you're the worst and you know. yeah, don't do that. But if it's freely given and freely poured out, it is attractive and it yeah. is a delightful thing. So don't think like, because you didn't do something early on, there's nothing for you to right. do now. Right. And think instead of like creatively, Lord, how can I, present a beautiful and winsome picture of the gospel to people that we maybe missed getting in the, the basic mm-hmm. catechism yep. of it at the, at the early yeah. times. Yeah, for sure. And realizing at a certain point that you, you missed your Just chance offering it to God to like, you know, you may grab a little boy by the chin and say, you look at my eyes and you must go pick up your bedroom. But if your 23-year-old is in town, don't do it. That's no. not how you do it. No, that's not the one. That's not the <laughs> winsome standard anymore. It's not the one. Uh, but I would say, I think Dad says of teenagers to uh, treat them like adults, love them like they're babies. <laughs> and that that transition is, that transitional phase is very difficult. And that a lot of people 
just get emotionally aloof from their teenagers mm-hmm. instead of pouring on the love and they like it's an awkward phase to be pouring on the love while giving more responsibility and treating them mm-hmm. like they're an adult um but that that's a good thing to keep in mind like yeah. that just loving them hard and being um i guess i would just say faithfully seeking the lord in every phase that what you're showing your children of being a Christian is a is a beautiful representation of a life and faith. And right. that it would be absolute folly for them to not love it. Yeah. Right? That they'd have to be really rejecting something in order to not love it. Yeah. We've sure. kind of run we, up to our time limit. We did. We did that. Do you have any hot tips? I have an anticipatory mm. hot tip. I was going to say, when detaching your mop NATO handle. Yes. Get in the back of a truck. <laughs> and stand, stand on only it. on. Call in your strong son <laughs> and have him rip the head off your mop. Tell him to torque the handle while standing <laughs> on the basement. Yeah. Don't anyway. do that. So, uh, I have a problem in my kitchen drawer that oh. I've had going for some time. What is that, Rachel? I've had no that? answers. I've been like, I okay, we need <laughs> multiple measuring spoon yeah measuring cup okay. i'm with you i'm with you because when you're really cooking a lot of things in a row mm. you can't just have you one can't have one, one. No. no like heaven forfend yes exactly <laughs> but what's even worse is what i have happening right now apparently one of my double alternate sets of measuring cups was poorly forged somewhere but it like reached a threshold and the handles are falling off of all of them like they must have been in the dishwasher too many times and the weld has come loose (laughs) so now they're all these it's terrible but i have multiple sets that are like it takes too long to stack them because you have to like filter them by yeah by handle nuances or like is there and then i have more than one set of one same kind so then you're always like oh it's two of the same i I'm so in this little ditch. You know with what you. I mean? Okay. Oh, so, I'm so I tell so you, there. I think I'm anticipating a great solution, but we'll see because I haven't lived it out yet. So, but I ordered them. So I bought two sets of new measuring cups. What that, What are they made of? They're stainless. Both okay. of them are stainless, okay. but one of them is a copper finish. Oh no, Rachel! This is a terrible thing that I did. I've already traveled this path. Did okay. It not work? I had no. I had my stainless ones. Why did it ones not work? Because I have my stainless ones, and then I have my copper ones. Yeah, what happened? But I got mine from Williams-Sonoma. They do not keep the copper on them. Oh, no. The copper comes bang so off. So are you saying that I'm going to go and right back to having that's matching right ones where again? I was. And except for what makes it worse is I got little measuring spoons, too, that were copper. Yeah. And, and those are... Why didn't we give this tip before I did it? And so the little... But they're a different shape. So I was like, okay, that's helpful because I can, like... Yeah. They have more, like, a squarer sort of appearance okay. on the outside. Anyway, when the copper came off, so did the actual etching of the of the uh, amount. No! So now you can't even read it. I hope it's not the same set I got. Well, mine was Williams-Sonoma, and I felt like giving them a bad Yelp review for those. You should. Okay, mine's not Williams-Sonoma. But I got I got also a set of plaid, like melamine ones, that yeah. I'm going to hang as my double backup in yeah. a cabinet yeah. that's like, these are the emergency well, if ones. if yours don't do that, tell me what they are, because I was really... 
I, I felt the same joy. You're like, you did like, not do this to I me, William like, Sonoma. I, I had felt a plan. good about having my separate, you know, one. It's very difficult. I know. It's very difficult. I know. But I, and the problem is they don't, they, they get jammed when you nest the wrong one in the wrong yeah, one. Yeah, well, it's really a dark up. time. Nobody yeah. tells you how to deal with these things. They just uh-huh. expect us to not have this problem. No. And okay, but I marvel every time people are like, so convenient that these are all clipped together. Oh, gosh. I'm always like, what? Yeah, what are you making? What are you making? (laughs) This is on the assumption that you use one measuring cup once a week. Like, that it would be convenient this way. No, because I I can only imagine the balsamic vinegar dripping down your elbow while you're trying to. I know, it's not at all a help. Okay, so... Maybe it's not, but they get good reviews. My okay, copper okay. ones get good reviews. And so maybe, well, but see, they're not as classy as William Sonoma kinds of ones. Well, if the, if the finish stays on, then that's all I would care but, about. Yeah. Nobody told me anything about the finish yeah, not no, staying on. Finish so. is gone with the wind. Well, that's lame. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, I like my, that we my both plan had the here. Same so then thought. I did get the ones that have a, like a set of plastic ones, yeah, melamine or whatever that has that they're all connected together, and I'm okay. gonna hang them on the inside of the cabinet as my like. Rachel, see, I've this also, is exclusively my emergency pair. I have been <laughs> with them on the inside of a cabinet before, but they were my stainless ones, yeah. and it rattled. Yeah, like but the that's last th- Trump so. When that's you not what to... I. That's not my plan. My plan is to have these as exclusively yeah. the like my elite uh-huh. emergency pair. Yeah, I'm like the one I have only a plan. Break out like a flare so, gun. Oh, but there's no. <laughs> It's actually like um, like in the grocery stores, those wet floor signs that they have stuffed up a tube. I need one of those. My emergency, deploy the emergency measuring cups. But there's nothing like it because when you were describing the state of your own, with your, of your house, it used to be, I would never cook. I would never get it myself into a situation where I had to cook when the kitchen was not clean. I would mm. clean, clean it first, oh, yeah. make sure all the counters yeah. are wiped off, everything's ready to go. I remember now, those there are times, <laughs> now there are times when I'm like, it's actually irrelevant because I have to get this rising in yeah. order to get, yeah. like, you have to start before you can clean stuff. Yeah. Those are the times where you're like, no, I have a sink full of things. I have two dirty dishwashers and I can't find a measuring cup. And that Mm -hmm. is the time of crisis. Those are the times when you still have a dirty soup pot on your floor and a lot of branches. Yeah, but then for some reason, and about 48 white tablecloths rumpled up in a heap. Oh, Oh, but good news. I did find out that the sous vide works beautifully on creme brulee. Oh, you told me that. That is yeah. a hot tip. Yeah, I did it in little quarter pint jars, mm. and it's the easiest thing ever because you whisk together the egg yolks and sugar, vanilla, salt, and cream, and then pour it through a strainer to make sure there's no, like, egg chunks, you know, in mm-hmm. there. Put it in all the jars, put the lids on them, put them in a pot for an hour, and they're, and then chill them, and they're, like, that's ready to rad. go. Yeah, really it was good. fabulous. All well, right, guys. All right, everyone. Oh, I guess maybe in a few weeks I'll be back to tell you what a letdown my big breakthrough has been. But until that time. Yeah, hold it as a good idea. Just think of what a good idea I had. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.